Hello again. Uh, today we're continuing uh, the message series that we started two weeks ago called Immeasurably More. And in this series, uh, we've been talking about the generosity of God and how, based on what he's given to us, that can actually turn us into the type of people that actually can give back to him and can give to others. And as you talk about generosity, one, one of the things that we find is it's, it's really about perspective because we only tend to give out of what we have. And so in the course of the last two weeks, what we've been trying to talk about and look in the Bible is how we have been given so much from God. And if you've missed any of the series, I just want to recap it real briefly. Uh, the first week we talked about how God has character like faithfulness and strength and he has always been, so he's reliable, and he has power, how who God is really is what we need to live life. Uh, in the person of God, he has everything we need to live the life that he wants us to live. And that makes sense because he created us. And so we spent the first week talking about how good the character of God is and how who he is really can help us in life. Last week, we talked about how him sending Jesus Christ was really the most generous expression that has ever been made in history. And how him sending Jesus to us is not only the reason that we celebrate Christmas, but it's also the reason that we can be generous ourselves and we can have hope, real hope. And so today we're going to kind of turn the corner and say, if we have actually been given help from God himself and help through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, then what's the kind of people that he wants us to be? And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about another aspect of the Christmas story that I'm sure you've heard before. Now, every Christmas, there's certain parts of the story that we hear. There's always the, the birth of Jesus Christ. And certainly that part of the story needs to be the most important as you read the scriptures. Uh, but you kind of learn about the shepherds. You learn about Mary and Joseph. You learn about the wise men. And so today we're going to take a little bit of time and actually look at the story of the wise men that you may have uh, heard before. In fact, if you grew up going to church or if you were at school, maybe you played one of the wise men at a school play back in the day. And so if you have, I will be inviting you up today. I'm just kidding. You can stay in your seat. No problem. But we have this kind of history of the Christmas story. And the wise men, though, show us a very important aspect connected to what we've been talking about, the generosity of God. And that is that when we encounter God's generosity to us, that should compel us to become generous people. It wasn't just a gift that's supposed to be just given, we clasp onto and we close our hands on. The gift of Jesus Christ actually should transform the very way that we live. And so if you've been investigating Christianity or you've been trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian, you'll find that there's so much talk in Christianity about Jesus. And the reason that is, is because he is the reason we can connect back to God. He's the reason that we actually can have the life that he wants us to give. And so Jesus is really the, the foundation of Christianity. And so as we talk about his birth, it really is this celebration and this importance on the difference that Jesus makes. And so in the, the Christmas story, the wise men were, were going to be told that this king was going to be born. And he was going to be born the king of the Jews. And I want to pick up this story and read it and talk about how their understanding and view 
of the gift of Jesus and God's generosity can actually give us some help here today. And so this happened uh, over 2,000 years ago, but there's still things, as you read the Bible, that's what's great about the Scriptures, as you read it, it's never meant to just be a historical document. It's actually supposed to be something that as we read it and we find out how God interacted in history, we actually can take it here today and live it out here and now. And that's God's intent with the Scriptures. And so I want to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2. And you can follow along up here on the screen. There's also a listening guide uh, in your handout. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Some of the background to this story that you may have heard before is Herod is the king at the time. And he heard about this king of the Jews, this Messiah figure that was going to be born. And he was very fearful of the power and authority that Jesus would have. And so he wanted these wise men to go and report and to find out who this Jesus was. And Herod's goal was, I need to squelch him. I need to kill this baby because he has a potential threat to my own kingdom. Of the time. And so you see there, there's this power struggle. And so the wise men are coming. They, they want to go and worship him. And so they set out on this journey. And you pick up in verse 9. It says, After listening to the king, so Herod had given th- these instructions pretend to go worship him, but really your job is to take this baby, this baby out. We want you to, to kill him. So they heard his instructions and they, they went on their way. And we don't really know exactly what they were thinking, but, but here's what transpired. It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So this is like old school GPS. Okay, I don't know if you had like a Garmin. You've ever asked for that for Christmas? And Garmin's were great until everyone got cell phones with maps that were even better. And you don't need another device. You just have it on your phone. And I use probably my GPS every day. I do. Every day I've tried to figure out where to go. So these wise men came and they didn't have the special navigation. They had this star. And it's easy to read this, but this is like a magnificent picture of God's just power. He's guiding them through the star. And that star signifies this is where Jesus is to be born. And so all they're doing, they're just following this star. And it's moving and they're moving. And it's going and they're going. And all of a sudden it stops. And they just say, okay, it stops. This is, must be where he is. This is crazy. But you find God is at working, even in the universe, to guide them to the part where he wanted them to be. And so they, they stopped down where the child was. Then verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, right there, we find that despite the instructions that Herod had given them, their original intent was to worship this king who is to be born. Despite what Herod had said and the authority that he said and really the fear that, that he could kind of instill in them because they didn't obey and they decided that what's most important is we have to rejoice and worship this king who has been born. And then verse 11, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures... They offered him gifts, gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And so Herod wanted to use these wise men as hitmen, potentially. That was his goal. But these wise men knew that this gift that had been given, there is no way that we could squelch this life. There's no way that we could come against this king. And these wise men were actually influential men, men of, of wealth, men of, of good stature. But what you find is they took the time to travel they, at great sacrifice. They came from the east, and it was a great journey that they had to make. Oftentimes in Christmas plays, like the journey is from like the side of the stage to the middle of the stage, right? You're like, wow, that was a great journey, five feet. So it's hard to, to kind of take that in, but at a great sacrifice, they traveled and they didn't hop on a plane. There was no Southwest friends fly free. There was no kind of easy way they traveled by camel. And it took a long time and they were dirty. And, you know, these men, just great sacrifice. They, they took the time to, to do this. What you find is not only did they take their time, but they had planned. They had gifts. They had gifts that they wanted to present to this king. And this really kind of is, a, is a, just this picture of this needing this royalty. Every aspect of it. Because as these gifts that they brought, those are the kind of gifts that you would bring to somebody that's so far above your own lifestyle. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are precious gifts. These are the kind of gifts that come at a great cost. But even this baby, they knew because of what they had been told, this baby was going to change everything. And as they came in and they encountered him, all they could do was just bow down and worship him. And it goes back to what we talked about last week. They knew what God had done through Jesus Christ. They knew that the greatest gift that had ever been given or promised was here. It was here on earth. And it was God himself in the person of Jesus. And so they decided that we, we are going to respond the only way that we can. We are going to travel to worship him. We are going to travel and present these gifts to him. And these gifts represent the most precious gifts of the day. And they presented it to baby Jesus, the king. And so I think their example is something that is something we could look at today. Because if it is true that God has given us immeasurably more, if he's given us Jesus Christ, if he's given us himself, and we have his resources when we turn to him. We have his power when we look to him. We have his strength. Then, then what do we do in respond? The wise men, they planned. They traveled a great distance. It took them time. And ultimately, they offered their gifts and they worshiped him. They gave their life to him in a way. It was just, we surrender to your kingdom. We submit to you. And that's why they knelt down and worshiped. And so their, their response was one of tremendous generosity. Why? Because of what God had given to them through Jesus. They decided to follow the star. They decided to sacrifice themselves. And so it's only fitting that as we look at the generosity of God, it really does beg the response, well, what, what do we do? If God has given us this much, if we really believe that God wants to have a relationship with us, he wants to give us help, he wants us to experience the best life possible. If that is really true, 
then what are we supposed to do? What's our response? And so today I want to talk about the response. And it begins with this idea, well, how, how do we become generous people ourselves? Well, to become generous people, we actually have to deal with some of the barriers of being a generous person. And it's interesting, at Christmas time, there's always stories that go on. You find the stories about Jesus Christ and what I just shared in the wise men. And then you also find stories like Scrooge. And I grew up, it's kind of like Jesus, Scrooge. And it's interesting because Scrooge really does represent a lot of the struggle of being a generous person. And Scrooge, if you've ever looked at kind of the story in the Christmas Carol and all the things that were happening, he was somebody that he had great wealth, but he did not want to share it with anybody. And he made all his employees work and no one could have time to spend Christmas with their family. You get this picture. And so he was encountered by by these ghosts of the past, the present and the future. Night of the ghosts were to say, if you live your life like this, if you were this stingy person that doesn't care about anyone, this is what your life is going to be like. And in the end, if you haven't seen it, I've just really ruined this for you. If you were like planning a family Scrooge movie right this afternoon, I've ruined it. But at the end, he, he realizes I have to change my ways. But what's interesting in the Scrooge character is that is actually something we have to wrestle with ourselves. And there's certain barriers to generosity that we have to deal with. The first is we don't think we have anything to give. So picture this. If, if generosity is like this, oftentimes, if I can get this off here, oftentimes we approach generosity like this. I would be generous, but my cup is empty. There's nothing in it. Let me ask you a question. Can you give out of nothing? No, because nothing is nothing. I like everyone was scared to answer that. Like, if I say nothing, I'm sure it's a trick question. But no, you can't give anything out of nothing. It's nothing. But this is oftentimes how we view our life. We don't have anything. It's empty. And what I hope we've done over the last two weeks is as we've looked at God's generosity to us really we want your life to be like this i actually have a cup that's full and i have something to give because of what god has given to me by the sending of jesus this cup is not just full but if the scriptures are true if he's given us immeasurably more then this cup would just be overflowing and it would never stop for illustration purposes i didn't want to make that mess but the point is it wouldn't even be three quarters full it would be full and overflowing and continually full and overflowing. That's who Jesus is. He fills our cup full and overflowing. But if we don't think our cup is full, then we won't give anything. So that's one barrier. Another barrier is consumerism. It's really hard to be generous when there's so many things that we want. And it's very easy to be a consumer. A consumer is just somebody that you just want to buy stuff. And right, isn't that why we work? To get paid. And why do we get paid? To spend. This past week is like the epitome of that. You have Black Friday. You have Cyber Monday. Does anyone know what Tuesday was? Giving Tuesday. Did you get any ads for Giving Tuesday? Did you get any deals on your phone for Giving Tuesday? Any commercials? I didn't. Last year in 2014, on Cyber Monday alone, $2 billion 
was spent. $40 million was raised on Giving Tuesday. Cyber Monday, $2 billion was spent. Giving Tuesday, $40 million. There's a consumer to giving ratio there of 50 to 1. So if you look at the stats, do we have problems being generous? Well, it depends how you describe generosity. I spend to give. I buy presents to give to others, but there's a sense of consumerism where it's always we just, what can we get? And I, I'm a sucker for a deal. I'm the first to tell you. But it's interesting. The more deals you have, the more you spend, right? You ever done that? Like this time of year, you just, there's all sorts of deals. And before you know it, you've gone to 17 stores to find one deal at each of them. And then you spent like way more than you ever thought. Spaving, that's what we call it, right? You spend to save. But that's kind of in us. But this consumerism is, it's just prevalent, especially here in America. It's what we do. So it's very hard to be generous when we, we want to spend. A lack of planning. It's actually hard to, to be generous if you don't have a plan of how to do it. And then fear. This is real. Fear is very real. It's very hard to be generous. Again, if your cup is empty, or maybe your cup is like this, and you just, you just have a little drop, and you think, I could give, and I could be generous with this little drop, but there's no more drops. If I give this, I don't have any more. And so all the scenarios run. What's going to happen to me? Who's going to take care of me? How is this all going to work out? And fear happens between our ears. Things that we just think about, we worry about. And so all these are, are barriers. But I want to talk a little bit about what it's like to be in America, if we will. Okay? Because one of the things, despite all the barriers, if you're sitting here today, no matter your situation, you actually have more than pretty much the rest of the world. It's true. We actually have extra. We have extra. We do. And I started to think about, well, what are some of the extras that we have? Well, I got to think about, you know, everyday life. And usually we go to sleep and we wear what? Pajamas. Sorry, guys. I'm really like setting you up. I'm thinking this. And all you guys are like, I don't want to say anything. Hold your breath, everybody. Um, we go to sleep in pajamas, right? We have clothes to sleep in. We wake up. And we want to go to the gym. Do we go to the gym in our pajamas? Some, okay, that's not your question. Some do. For all of these, it could be some. But we put on like workout clothes, right? Do we go to work in our workout clothes? Again, some do. But most of us, then we put our work clothes on. Then we get home from work. And you know what I do when I get home? It's like, I get in the comfy pants. I'm the only one, apparently. But sometimes you get home, and it's like, I want to change again. And in a given day, you could change up to four times. And then we walk into our closet and it's like, what can I wear? I have four outfits. I only have one day. We have extra. I was thinking also about technology. Have you ever gotten a new phone? Have you ever gotten a new phone and your phone still works? <laughs> Guilty. Right? Apple products, they number them in a, because there's a reason. If you have the four and they come out with the six, 
Which one do you want? Then they add letters. 6S. But I only have 6. Or the plus. And then there are going to be 7. And then you start finding, it's just like, well, my phone works fine, but it's not new anymore. We have extra. It's true. Technology is just a perfect example. Most of the time, we get it because we want the new thing. Not because we want the working thing. Right? So we have tons of clothes that we can wear. We have lots of technology at our disposal. We own cars. Do you know only 12% of the world owns a car? 12%. Do you know many of us own two? Some three. And sometimes as I drive around, you see driveways that are made particularly for like four car families. We have extra. Now, is this like one of those typical church services where the pastor gets up and is like, feel guilty, everybody, you stink. No, the point is, it's how we view our cup. We have things to give. Because if we have a car and we have multiple clothes to wear and we have technology, we have more than most of the world. And it's true. But we don't see it because we're surrounded by each other. And for the most part, we all have extra. Now, we may not have as many extras as others. And that's what kind of keeps us going. I have extra, but my extra is not as new as their extra. It starts before it, like, it's in your head and you just chase this. And so today I actually want to look at being generous with the extra that we have. And that could be extra things, could be extra money, be extra time. That's how we can be generous people with the extra. And I think all of us could agree to some extent that we have extra in certain areas. Even our own budget and our finances, there's probably extras. Now, it may be that you're negative each month, but there's certain things that you pay for that are technically extras. So we all have extras. And so I want to walk through briefly, what does the scripture say about the extras in life? Because this is where we can begin to be generous people. The first thing is the extra is not for self-indulgence. The extra is not for self-indulgence. This is like a pointed scripture in James 5, 5. It says this. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. So this idea of consumerism and just getting it's comparing this to being an animal. And this is like a warning to Christ followers. And they're saying, like, you're living in this way where you're just living to please yourself. And you're just getting, 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 getting. And he's comparing them to animals that just eat too much. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you've eaten too much? There's a phrase we use. It's called pigging out. Like, I never thought about that, but pigging out. If you have to describe your eating like an animal, it's probably too much. So he's describing this living that's like pigging out. Animals, they just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and they can just make themselves sick. Why? Because they're just here to do that. It's the purpose in which they're made. Survival, just eat, and then eat some more. If food's offered, eat it again. But what James, the writer, is saying here is there's an aspect of if you just live for the self-indulgence, just to consume, 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 get, 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 you're, you're just pigging out on your own life. And you're just thinking about yourself. And there's no joy there. 
You're like an animal that's pigging out. And the animal in the time, if you think about it, is just eating so much. And, you know, I haven't talked to animals in a really long time. But animals are just thinking, like, probably this is the greatest life ever. If there's, they have food and they're just with their other animal buddies and they're just eating and eating and eating, right? Cows and pigs and they're just in the slop and they're just loving it. But you know what they don't know? They're going to be bacon for us and steak. They're getting ready to be slaughtered. But they have no idea. They're just eating and eating and eating. This is what it's like in life. We just consume, we consume, we consume. We think, this is great. This is what we have. But the Bible compares us to that, to an animal that their life is going to be destroyed. So if we just have extra and all we're concerned with is ourselves and self-indulgence, there is no life there. There's no hope. And so the extra is not for that. So I want to talk about what, what it is for. And this could seem like kind of the polar opposite. The extra is for our enjoyment. So it's not for self-indulgence, but it is for our enjoyment. And the scriptures say that. And you'll find that in 1 Timothy 6. Command those who are rich. Okay, that's us. We're, we're rich because of what we've been given. In this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So what this is saying is God gives to us. And if you've been given extra, that actually is a gift from God. You don't have to be upset about that. You don't have to think, well, I guess God wants me to earn less money at work. It's actually not true. Or I guess God wants me to have less. That, that may not be true. But the difference is, is where your hope is. And notice the scripture is saying that our enjoyment is found through God who richly provides it for us. And that's compared to the description of those who are rich. The rich, there's always a tendency, the more we have, that we place our hope in those things. Whether that's our paycheck, whether that's our house, whether that's our car, whether that's our financial future, our retirement. It's easy to place our hope in the things that we can see. And that's the difference between self-indulgence and enjoyment. Self-indulgence is, I want everything for myself. It's all for me. Enjoying it is recognizing this is flow, flowed through the hand of God. And because of that, I'm not putting my hope in what he's given to me. I'm putting my hope in him who's provided it. That's a big difference. So it is for, for our enjoyment. So you don't have to beat yourself up. But it's not only for our enjoyment. The third thing that, that the scriptures point to us is that the extra is for sharing. So it's not for self-indulgence. It is to enjoy. And then part of that enjoyment is to actually share with others. The next verse of what I just read, 1 Timothy 6.18 says this, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. This command is again for those who are rich. And for us, in America, we are rich compared to the rest of the world. Now, we don't probably go around saying, I'm rich. But if you really look at what we have and all the extras, we are. So as we're rich, God gives us that to share with others. And so this is a command to those that have things, to be generous and willing to share. And so I thought about that. The rich are given specific instruction. 
supposed to be generous in good deeds. Generous and willing to share. There's a certain attitude that we have, which is God has given me this. How may he use it to help others? God has given me time. How can I use my time to bless others? That's what it means to be generous and willing to share. So much of generosity a lot of times is with our time. That's how we, we can be generous in good deeds. It's by looking to the interests of others. As you hear people are going through something tough, we can be generous by thinking through, how can I serve them? How can I help them? How can I get with someone and just talk through what they're, they're facing and, and dealing with? This is what a community of the church is supposed to be. We're generous as we take the time to help each other, to look to the needs of those that we're encountering in life. And so we can be generous in our time. We can be generous with the things that we've been given specifically to meet the needs of others. But that takes, we have to look at life with different lenses. We have to look life as always opportunities to help. It's very easy to think point A to point B, from my morning to my afternoon to my evening, and all the things that I have to do. But part of being generous and rich in good deeds is you, you realize that in a given day, I'm encountering people after people after people. And I never know what they need. And I never know what they're going through. But God has put us here on this earth as Christians to actually love people and to find out what's going on in their world. That actually means you have to slow down. You have to look. And you have to engage with people. That's one of the primary ways that we can be generous. And then the last reason that we can use our extra, how we can use our extra, is it's also for a thank offering. And this is a thank offering back to God. You find this uh, in the book of Psalms in the scriptures. And it says this, I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Two weeks ago, we talked about David in Psalm 63. And how in that psalm he gave a description of of what it means to really, despite our circumstances, turn to God. And this is David as well in a different psalm, describing this, all that God has done. And in this psalm specifically, he was again being pursued by Saul, who wanted to take his life. In the midst of running for his life, he says this, I will offer my thank offerings to you. And David, in the midst of everything going on in his circumstances, which are really dire, he still recognized all that he had been given. And it wasn't in his circumstances, it was in God himself. He had protection from God. He had help from God. He had strength from God. He had encouragement from God, as he reflected on the scriptures. So all he could do was present a thank offering back to him. And if you think about Christmas, uh, we, we give gifts, right? And we give gifts to family. We give gifts to friends. And they often says, like, it's the thought that counts. Have you ever given a Christmas card that's, like, just written thought? Merry Christmas. Like, we say that, and it's true. It is the thought that counts. But oftentimes we give gifts out of just our thankfulness. For the relationships that we have. It's like a token of, I'm so thankful for you. Here, here's a gift to express that specifically. 
And I think that that's good. Just like the wise men, they could have traveled all the distance and just bowed down and said, we're so glad you're born. But instead, they, they brought precious gifts. It showed how important this gift was. How important Jesus was. They were willing to give. And that's the same thing. It was a thankful, a thanks offering back to God. I had my birthday this past week and my kids just made different gifts. And my son, who's four, gave me a gift in an envelope. And I was like, wow, like, I got a gift, you know, from my four-year-old son. And I opened it and in the envelope was like four pieces of Halloween candy. And like, you know, I was like, that's, Wow. And what I thought initially was like, okay, how do I get the candy back into his bucket? You know, because I don't really want his Halloween candy. But I realized, like, you know what? He was giving me this gift from something he had. Something very precious to a four-year-old. He was giving me his candy. And it was, like, good. It was like Starburst. It wasn't just Tootsie Rolls. Sorry for those Tootsie Roll lovers out there. But it was a variety. He had picked it. And he would put it in an envelope. And he had taped it so none would fall out. Right. But he gave me this gift and it was an expression of his love for me. Now, he could have said, Daddy, I love you. I love you so much that I would give you my candy. And I'd say, that's okay, buddy. I love you, too. But the fact that he gave it showed it. Right. And that's the same thing. The extra God has given us give back to him. And I want to close out in just a practical way that, that you can do that this morning. We've been talking about the Christmas offering here at Church in the Valley. And we do this every year. And this is really our way as a church to be generous. And the only way a church can be generous is if the people are generous because that's what the church is. And so we presented some different areas that, that you can give. And the Christmas offering is going through January 31st. And I just want to encourage you, this is no pressure Oftentimes you come to church and you feel like, oh, they're going to ask me for my money. It's actually the, the church doesn't need your money. You give your money out of, again, your heart for God and what he's given to you. God can do whatever he wants. But as a church, we want to be generous and we want to give to some different organizations. And uh, you'll see a goal up here. Um, on the, go to the next slide. Uh, we have a goal of 25000 between both of our campuses. And you'll see there, so far we've raised just a little over 5400 Our goal with this Christmas offering is to extend this money to some different, different purposes. And if you go back to that previous slide, the first is the CIV Building and Expansion Fund. Uh, this is for our Diamond Bar campus. And I explained the first week when I talked about this that they've actually run out of space for their kids. Like no more kids can actually fit into the different classrooms that they have. So as a church, we really need to have some money to potentially get some property or move into a space that can house the people that we're trying to reach. Um, and so you can give to that through a part of this offering. And then we're giving to Central Asia, some missionaries that are supporting there. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which goes to missionaries throughout the world. The 17.6 network, which is a network that we're part of that aims to start uh, churches uh, throughout the country and the world. A Christian Challenge Campus Ministry, uh, which we're giving to two. We're giving to... Christian Challenge at USC, and Christian Challenge at Cal Poly Pomona. And Christian Challenge is really this ministry where college students on the campuses that they're in can find a community there and, and learn what it means to, to walk with God. And, 
many people within this church have come through a Christian challenge. And then we also want to have some money set aside for local community needs. Uh, as needs come up in the community when people, they just need some help. We want to have some money set aside as a church to help them. And so in scriptures, we're, give, we're told to give primarily in two ways. The first is a tithe, which is out of what God's given us, we want to give a 10% back to God. That's what a tithe is. But then we're also commanded to give an offering. And an offering is above and beyond that tithe. And so this Christmas offering is really above and beyond what we normally give to the church to help support uh, these other ministries. And so I want to encourage you, as, as you think through what you've been given, and as you try to analyze, like, how do I have extra? Do I not have extra? And what's all kind of on my plate? How full is, is my cup? I just want to ask you just to consider uh, giving to this Christmas offering. You can give in the giving envelope uh, in your uh, program. You can also give online. If you give in the giving envelope, you can just write special Christmas offering. Uh, but I wanted to share a video. As we gave to this last year, we want to give some highlights of kind of how that money made a difference. And this morning we're going to hear from Jeff Jimerson, who is at the Christian Challenge at Cal Poly Pomona. Let's hear how the money made a difference for him. My name is Jeff Jimerson. I am the Christian Challenge Director at Cal Poly Pomona. Primarily what I do is reach students with the gospel, get them plugged into small group Bible studies and discipleship groups, and then try to get them plugged into churches. Um, I appreciate very much the, the gift that I got last year from the Christmas offering from Church in the Valley. With it, we were able to uh, partner with Campus Crusade on our campus to do an evangelism project together. We used the money for publicity and, and for speakers. And then we're also able to help students go on a spring break project to Phoenix, Arizona, where a former student of mine uh, is planning a church in Scottsdale, actually. And so we help them do evangelism, both in the city there and then at the Arizona State University and the University of Arizona. So thank you very much for what you were able to help us with last year. We give as a church, what we give as a church, it, it makes a real difference. And so in closing, I just want to, just give one more perspective. So what you find as you, you look at what you've been given, if, if this is truly God's, what he's given to us out of his generosity, uh, he's told us that as we give, uh, he will refill us. But you can't refill a full cup. And so I want to encourage you, as you kind of consider your time and your resources and your money, the only way you'll know if God will refill the cup is if you will actually pour it out. And that's the way that you see if God is real. So as you pour out your cup, the question is, will he refill it? And so I want to encourage you just from my own life, and I know the lives of many others, they've chosen to do that. And they've surrendered their life fully to God. And what they found is, over time, each time, he refills it. And he keeps pouring it back. And that's what a relationship with God is. He doesn't want to rip us off. He's not a taker. He's a giver. And so as we give to him, he gives back to us. So I just want to encourage you to, to just think about that. And as I wrap up the service, uh, Jeremy had you fill out a connection card. And on that connection card, uh, there's some next steps on the back. And so I just wanted to close with you taking some next steps today. Uh, maybe you want to express your gratitude to God. Maybe you've never thanked God for anything in your life. But maybe this week you just look at something that you've been given and you know God's provided that for you. And so I, I encourage you to do that. Uh, you could also 
uh, pray and consider what God wants you to do with the extra in your life. Uh, if you've been given extra, what, what could you do with it? And then the third is just blank. If there's something that you just sense you need to do in response to God's generosity to you, I encourage you to write that down and do it this week. Uh, we're going to be receiving our offering as the band comes up, and then they're going to close us out. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your generosity, your tremendous uh, blessings that you give. And it, it really does start with the giving of yourself through Jesus Christ. God, thank you for, for Jesus and at Christmas, the fact that we get to celebrate that. God, I thank you also for the blessings that you've given us, for the different extras that we have. God, we want to enjoy it. And at the same time, we want to trust in you. And we want to be the kind of people that as we extend ourselves, we know that you will provide for us. And so God, thank you for being a God that does provide, that doesn't rip us off, that doesn't just take, but you give and you give and you give. And so we want to thank you for that in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.